0: What everybody can do is start to look at their guys as individuals and not as a pitching staff as a whole and start trying to figure out what each guy needs personally to try to make him better. One size doesn't fit all, and um, one size doesn't even fit one guy for very long.
1: Hey, and welcome to Ahead of the Curve your source for the most up-to-date coaching strategies for player and coaching development. I am Jonathan Gelman. Today's conversation is with Coach Brent Robison, pitching coach at Union High School in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Brent goes in-depth with what his pitchers do during the fall and how they plan rest. We also go into detail about what they do in the spring and how to get work with two-way players during the season. Brent bases everything he does on individualization and what the player needs. I really think you're gonna love this conversation with Coach Brent Robison. Coach Robison, thank you for joining us today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Can you start by telling us a little bit about your background and how you got your start in coaching?
0: So I'm pitching coach at uh Tulsa Union High School in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I uh, was actually a union lifer. I graduated from Union High School in two thousand five, went there my whole life and uh So started coaching there, actually, the summer after I graduated, started helping coaching out our incoming freshmen in our summer league. Uh, As soon as I was done done in college, I uh, came back and started coaching and working in a union.
1: So after college, what were your reasons for getting into coaching? I
0: actually got a business degree in college, and uh, about halfway through my senior year, kind of realized that that wasn't really what I wanted to do. I'd already spent um, four years coaching high school kids in the summertime, and um, decided that that was kind of what I wanted to do. And so, I rather than changing my major at that point, I just went ahead and finished and got my alternative certification after that, and went into coaching and, and teaching. The interactions between the kids that I was able, I was lucky enough to coach in those years while I was in college was just so much fun. Just it really what it, it also kind of gave me, once I was done playing college baseball, it kind of gave me uh, the only competitive outlet that I had left at the time. And uh so between that and just the the fun that I had working with young people, trying to teach the game of baseball, uh, especially pitching, just it, it seemed like the only thing, the only logical step to take was to start coaching.
1: So when I started at Union with you guys in 2012, I had no idea that the baseball team went by mules and because the mascot is the Redskins. So can you tell us why the baseball team goes by mules and how all of that got started?
0: Uh, Yeah, so we don't actually, we don't consider it really a mascot. We're we're very proud of the Redskin mascot that Union High School has. We're very proud of that and we definitely embrace that. So we we think of it, honestly, we call it more of a fraternity, um, a baseball fraternity uh, more than a mascot. Uh, it was something that was started by the head coach that was there when I played at Union, um, and it's something that our current coach, Sean Newkirk, has uh, kept going. Basically, what what it came out of was uh, a mule is uh, an animal that is kind of a hybrid. It's built, uh, it's, you know, bred between a, a horse and a mule, and or I'm sorry, a donkey, and uh, it, it's not bred to look pretty if you've ever seen a mule you know what i'm talking about um they're not made to look pretty and they're not made to be flashy or anything they're just made for work they don't require much food they don't require much water they just kind of put their nose in the dirt and pull the plow that's kind of where that came from kind of how we saw ourselves as a program and what we wanted to be like and continue to strive to be like so that's kind of where that came from
1: so can you give us a couple of words of what a mule looks like or what you guys look for?
0: To us in our program, what, what a mule means is they, they show up for work every day, um, even when it's not, you know, when it's, when it's 20 degrees outside and we can't go outside and we're, we're doomed for another day in the indoor facility, just, you know, hitting off uh, tees and taking uh, coaches' batting practice or things like that. They, they have the same enthusiasm and same intensity that they would on a 75 degree spring day that we get to get outside and hit on the field. And, uh, especially, you know, specifically for our pitchers, um, you know, some of the things we do are not as much fun as others. Um, some of it's kind of tedious, um, but we believe that it's important. Um, we also during the fall and even through our spring in the fall, um, our players all work out with our strength and conditioning coach three times a week at six 30 in the morning. And uh, even during the spring, during season, we work out twice a week during the morning at the same time. And just sort of, doesn't a mule doesn't complain. A mule shows up for work, even when they don't always feel like it, they get the work done and uh,
1: they are ready to move on. So before we get into the nuts and bolts of the conversation... I just wanted to make this comment. I miss that indoor like crazy, and it's so funny to hear that whenever you say uh, we're doomed to the indoor because that indoor facility is unbelievable.
0: Yes, uh, we we are extremely blessed with having what I, I would consider uh, top in, uh, indoor facility in the nation. We have a full uh, infield um, to practice on. Uh, we do split that with softball uh, twice a week. Um, and every other friday and that that is absolutely amazing Our, our district is taking good care of us on that and we we couldn't be more happy with that i guess to clarify what i mean is just not being able to get out on a baseball field but absolutely we uh we have no complaints about the indoor facility we get to work in
1: so let's go ahead and jump right in what does a typical week look like for you guys in the fall
0: in the fall we because we have so many players that are playing uh football and uh basketball. Um uh, we even have some cross country runners um on our team. We have a a really cool opportunity for the varsity coaching staff to be able to work very closely with our incoming freshmen all the way through our seniors. And so early on in the fall uh while that uh while we have time to be outside when the weather is nice, time permitting, we we like to get outside and we do a lot of ground ball work, a lot of fly ball work. We, uh, we take a little little break from uh, working on the hitting aspect as often. Basically, Monday through, Friday, Monday through Thursday, we are doing strictly baseball things in the afternoons with our players. We are working on defensive skills, working on defensive situations um, with the pitching staff. We are, at that point, uh, depending on the pitcher, and it's very specific to each pitcher, but they're either working on... Some of them are resting uh, from, from the summer. Some of them are working on mechanical improvements. Some of them are working on uh, velocity improvements at times. But we do that Monday through Thursday. On Friday, we actually, basically the extent of our baseball activities are playing catch and uh, stretching and things like that. And then we, what we call competition Friday, uh, we have a competition uh, we break up into five different teams, break the, all the players into five different teams, and, uh, throughout the fall, every Friday, we have a different competition, whether that's playing basketball or whether it's playing, uh, we play flag, uh, two touch football for one of the competitions, or, uh, whether it's, um, something strength and conditioning related. Um, but Monday through Thursday is baseball activities, and Friday is, uh, almost exclusively designated for competition Fridays.
1: Now, all of this is during the hour. What are your time restrictions? So uh, until this year, uh, we,
0: had, we had no time restrictions on us uh, in, base, in, uh, in Oklahoma in, in baseball. We could practice from the first day of school to the last day of school uh, as long or as short as we wanted. Um, this year, they implemented a new rule uh, where we have one hour with our team. What that means is by the time, from the time they get on the baseball field, we have one hour till the end of that. We, I mentioned earlier, we are extremely lucky enough to have a strength and conditioning coach that is able to meet with, uh, work with our players three times a week during the fall in the mornings so that we don't have to use that time we have in the afternoon for things like that. And that is, uh, that's, that time is designated differently than the one hour we get, but it still makes it much easier for us to get done in the afternoon what we need by them doing that in the mornings. But we get one hour with them once they get there, and that's that's been a big adjustment for us from what we've been used to, having basically unlimited time. Um, it definitely caused some issues with planning, and uh, for me specifically, with our pitchers.
1: So you mentioned that this last year was the first year that you had any sort of time restrictions. So what did that process look like of trying to decide what to cut out and what to keep? And and can you take us through exactly what that looked like and what you guys decided to do?
0: Absolutely. It was definitely a conversation that we had uh, for several weeks leading up to school starting last summer was uh, if we had this limited amount of time, what did we think was most important uh, to get in in that hour? And what we decided was uh, that developing baseball specific skills um with our guys especially our young guys um we had a decent group of uh position players coming back that we felt that they were uh, they were going to be okay but we we decided to spend a lot of time with our younger group trying to develop just basic uh you know infield and outfield skills playing catch properly things like that but we definitely had to decide what was most important. And you really had, I mean, it, it was difficult at times because all the things we felt like we were doing were important and we had to pick what was most important. And from the pitching standpoint, I had to go through with each guy and decide, okay, what can he, what can he wait to work on and what does he need to start doing right now? And so, yeah, absolutely. That was definitely conversations we had for weeks leading up to school starting.
1: Now, this has been the topic of several of the conversations that I've had with coaches so far, and that's individualizing. And you talked about it already, trying to individualize everything with your pitchers. So can you tell us what that looks like? Uh, How do you hold them accountable? And do you have those conversations with them to come up with the plan together?
0: It it absolutely, uh, the the pitcher is involved in that decision. what uh, Obviously, we kind of try to guide them in the right direction, but one of the first things i like to do uh coming back from summer is talk to guys about how much they threw in the latter half of the summer. Uh we actually have a school summer league that only goes till about July 4th, so for about the last 3 or 4 weeks of summer, i don't see our guys very much. And so some guys i find out that after our diamond league that we call it our summer league, school summer league, they, you know, maybe only threw about 15 innings after that. Other guys i find out they were th- they threw upwards of 30 innings. And so, kind of finding out what the, what their workload was like at the end of the summer is definitely a factor in what their plan is for the fall. Another thing is what they're what they're trying to do during the fall. Some guys have no intentions of doing any kind of showcases um, or going to any kind of camp recruiting camps or anything like that. And that, that kind of opens us up that we basically have them we have them uninterrupted for the next eight months, basically. But we have several guys who are juniors going into their or coming into their senior year. Or maybe juniors that are trying to start getting uh, looks from colleges and they may have four to five recruiting camps or uh, showcases that they're trying to play in. And so we have to try to, for them, we have to try to plan their rest and plan their uh, ramping up period into being able to go to a showcase as close to 100% as we can. So obviously we don't want a kid going to a s- showcase trying to get looked at by college and they haven't picked up a baseball in four weeks. But there are guys that we get from the summer who need to not basically pick up a baseball, uh, at least on a mound for four weeks. So the pitchers are definitely involved in that. We do a video analysis of their uh, movement patterns in the fall. We uh, take their velo, see how it relates to what it was the spring before. If it's gone down, if it's gone up, if it stayed the same, do we think it should have gone up? Uh, you know, one of, one of the terms that I, uh, I like to use from Randy Sullivan at the Florida baseball ranch is start with the pain. So that's definitely something we, that's one of the first conversations we have is how did your arm feel this summer? What's it feel like now? When it hurts, where does it hurt? And, um, try to figure out if we can't figure it out from their movement pattern, uh, from the video analysis. Um, then maybe we try to look at things like workload or how often they're long tossing things like that. But absolutely the pitchers are involved in that discussion. And then, We try to evaluate their needs. Are they somebody who the velo is already for their age group, uh, for their competition group? Are they already kind of where they need to be? And what's holding them back might be command. The program that that kid is going to be on is going to be different than a kid who's coming into a senior year and he's topping out at 74 miles an hour, but can spot up a fastball whenever he wants. They're, they're going to be on different kinds of programs. So it's just kind of evaluating the needs and where. They want to get to that that's a big that's a big part of it is what they're trying to do at the next level or in the next year or two and just trying to find a way to help them get where we need them which is help us win games but also where we want them and where they want to be in the next year or two which is trying to get to the next level
1: so it sounds like a lot of this has to be player-led is is that right it
0: absolutely is a lot player-led beginning the fall especially with our younger guys our younger pitchers everything we move very slowly with all the drill work we do just be, just because if they don't know how to do it properly at at best they're you know not going to see any improvement at worst they might hurt themselves um or get worse um as a pitcher and so we very slowly ease them into their program for the fall but i i definitely have my Guys, my juniors or senior guys who have been around me for the last few years who kind of understand the drill work we're doing, who understand what the goal is of each different program. And so, once I, I and every year I look for those two, one or two guys who I can kind of groom to be my guys for the next year, where I can t- send my freshmen after the first, you know, month or so after they've learned how to do the drills. I can send my freshman with that senior, that junior, and say, go do, go do Tuesday's program with that senior. Or send the senior, go do it with that freshman. Show them how to do this particular day and have, um, obviously with, with me monitoring, but again, with the time restrictions, there may be times after our hour that I may have to say, okay, you're on your own today for your recovery work. And I have, I, I definitely have my guys that I have, full confidence in that they're gonna be watching over these guys and if somebody's doing something wrong, they they know exactly how to do the stuff and they're gonna they're gonna correct that.
1: You know, Brent, I take two things from that. And the first one is that I love the aspect of seniors teaching freshmen. I'm sure it means a lot to the freshman kids that a senior is taking the time to be able to help them with all of these different drills. And the second thing is if I feel like that if you can teach something, then you must know it pretty well. Exactly. The guys who understand their mechanics
0: the best are the guys who can also teach the younger guys what they're trying to do, what the goal of a specific drill is. I mean, that's invaluable. If you if to be able to teach something to somebody, I think you have to at least have an understanding for yourself, not saying you have it completely figured out. Uh, for everybody, but you at least have an understanding of how it relates to your personal movement pattern, kind of what you know what the goals are of certain certain drill work and I definitely see that guys tend to kind of figure things out more as they start having to show it to other people and what you said about team building and you know senior talking to freshmen that's that's that you hit the nail on the head with that every year we have freshmen who um in some of our team-building conversations, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, that mention a senior pitcher taking the time to help them with their drill work. And so I absolutely think that's a big part of it.
1: Well, and any time you can have teammates promote dialogue, I think that's awesome And asking questions about the game. But you also might have some players that are asking teammates questions that they wouldn't ask the coaches because they're too embarrassed to do so.
0: For sure. For sure, you know some of the freshmen we get for whatever reason just seem you know kind of i mean very they don't like talking to <laughs> really anybody they're just they they seem very nervous to be there, so when that comes from another player, I think it kind of eases the the pressure that they may put on themselves um and just understand that you know drill work the the things we do is it's not to put pressure on anybody. It's just something everybody does to try to make everybody better.
1: So you've already mentioned a couple of different resources that you like to use. But while we're on the subject, what are your favorite resources to use?
0: So I would say uh, the people that I, I I try to take, I wouldn't say just one person. Ron Woolforth at the Texas Baseball Ranch um, is kind of what really got me interested. Uh, he's who really got me interested in studying pitching the way I have and uh, one of, somebody who's come along after him, uh, Randy Sullivan at the Florida Baseball Ranch. Now it used to be the Armory uh, down in Tampa, Florida. Now it's the Florida Baseball Ranch. Eric Cressy, uh, definitely. Paul Nyman, his original work on pitching, his original studies on pitching uh, kind of changed my views of what pitching movement patterns should kind of be like. Brent Porcio is somebody that I've uh, studied in the past and really enjoyed listening to and watching online you know there, there's some guys that i have that i can put them on almost to the t uh the randy sullivan program for fixing a forearm fly out, and it works for them um or there may be somebody with velocity who they they've got a minor disconnection in, in some part of their movement pattern that you know one one plan works for them but there's guys that it's what really kind of keeps me jumping around from trying to listen to what everybody has to say out there in the pitching world is that every year I've got somebody that doesn't fit the mold, seem to fit the mold of what I'd like to do with the program as a whole. And so in, in a way that kind of pushes me to try to find new ways and keep trying to find new ways to reach guys. I'd like to say we had just one program that we use. We, we really don't. You know, one of the things that I, I tried to learn from Ron Wolf is that, if i have um i have 13 pitchers on our varsity roster this year and i should have 13 different pitching programs um i wouldn't say i quite have 13 but i try to have is i try to have one for each guy specifically rather than just trying to say this is our program and this is what we're going to do and by the way i forgot to mention the drive line guys the info they have on uh in the studies they've done on weighted balls improving arm action, and things like that and, and velocity that that has played a big role in our program as well
1: so you talked earlier about being competitive and competitiveness. Is there a way that you guys integrate competition into practices?
0: This is something that our, our head coach has always wanted to do and always been good at doing. We find little ways uh, defensively to create competition or uh, offensively or whether we're doing a um, coach pitch inner squad or a full inner squad I enjoy with our pitchers doing competitive bullpens. So Every time a bullpen is thrown by one of our guys, they're going against somebody. And uh, that person that they're going against, the pitcher they're going against, charts them and they chart the person they're going against. And whether it's hit spots or whether it's early in bullpens, it's how many strikes did you throw? You know, we're not worried about can you paint the black on the outside, on the outer half. It's can, can you throw a strike? How many strikes can you throw in that 25-pitch bullpen? And uh, then we obviously progress as we go. But even when we're doing side work, you know, we've done things like, uh, we've played, we have nets that are pitching nets, target nets that are uh, broken up into nine different squares. We've done things like tic-tac-toe bullpens where you get up and you, uh, you have groups of pitchers going against each other where you have to get, you know, three in a row. You, uh, or we do horse, um, with that same net where you have to call your shot and the next, if you hit it, the next pitcher has to replicate it. Or we do things where they get to call their to call their spot, where they if they want it in the upper right-hand corner, if they call it, they get two points. If they miss, they get zero. If they're within one square, they get one point. Really, the, the possibilities are kind of endless on how you can make command, especially with command. If you have the, the right kind of targets, command is an easy way to make competitions out of. But I definitely think, you know, in a game, I think the number one thing we want them to do is compete. And so... If that's what we want them to do in a game, then their practice should have at least some form of competition in it.
1: No, definitely. And that sounds like a whole lot of fun, but it also doesn't sound like you guys are shagging and running a whole lot of poles.
0: Well, they get plenty of conditioning in, but no, they're, they're not running poles. Um, it's we. Uh, it's more quick, um, high intensity cardio work, um, whether it's sprints or whether it's we have a jump rope or whether it's some kind of a rope agilities or I'm sorry ladder agilities we we try to keep it mainly to short intensity short intense um, bursts of cardio activity
1: so Brent we can't talk about the fall without bringing up the mule challenge so can you tell us about what the mule challenge is
0: so that, again, that's uh, every Friday, um, that we, we don't do much baseball related on Fridays in the fall. Um, uh, we have a, uh, weekly competition. Uh, we break our teams, uh, break our program, basically all the kids we have in the fall into five to six teams, depending on how many kids we have that fall. And the, uh, the seniors are the, we pick seniors that are the captains of that team and then they draft their team from a full list of the uh, kids in the program. All the way down to our freshmen. And, you know, we, in the past, we've played basketball before. We played flag football, two touch football. Uh, we do things like weighted sled pulls. The mule, we have a kind of a regular season mule challenge where the records that, that each team has a record going into the end of the fall that factors into the end of the mule challenge, which is a, we basically set up on our football field and in our football stadium a giant obstacle course with all kinds of things that i'm glad i don't have to do and uh time them and we average we get average those times out for a team championship and an individual championship
1: and don't forget to mention what the winner gets which is a huge wwe championship style gold plated belt
0: yeah so we have a we have two winners we have the freshman sophomore individual winner and the junior senior individual winner and we've got a uh Uh, One of our previous assistant coaches came up with that idea. Uh, We've got uh, kind of, like you said, a WWE-style golden leather belt that they get to keep for the year, and uh, next year they'll get to pass it on to the next winner.
1: So you mentioned earlier about putting together players with seniors in their individual groups. Is there some other ways that you guys build some team and or leadership building?
0: So I think they – what we do in the fall um, is definitely uh, a big part of that. We actually, um, we do things like requiring the team to come up with their own team handshake. The seniors are required to take, well, they can't do it with the freshmen because they're at, the, at a separate uh, campus, but take one of the sophomores, at least one of the sophomores on their team to lunch and buy their lunch per week. And so that they've got to spend time with the younger guys um, on their team. And then in the spring, we do um, kind of our whole athletic department at our school at Union Decide. Uh, we kind of do a program called Game Changer, um, and we do that every Wednesday. Um, we cut practice a little bit short on Wednesdays so that we can start the day with Game Changer. And so we uh, we go through these different topics as a team. And the way we're doing it this year is one, one week, a coach will talk about a topic. Uh, the last topic was respect. The one before that was commitment. One before that was leadership. Um, and then the following week, the players, they were sent home with a kind of a worksheet to work through on their own. And then we have players from each class share their answers on each question. And we do that as a whole program.
1: Well, and I thought it was huge whenever we did this. And it was just amazing some of the things that you would learn about your players that you wouldn't, you wouldn't previously know. So they just write on their worksheet and then they share out with the rest of the group. Are you guys still doing that?
0: Yeah, they share, they share it with everybody. And you're right. It's amazing. Sometimes you learn things about kids that, you know, would just really never come up in especially baseball conversation, but even some of the personal conversations we have with players. Uh, You learn about a lot about the guys when they, when they've had a week to think about the answers uh, to their answers to these questions. And I think uh it's it's invaluable to our team building. And and another thing and I forgot to add that we do on that is every other week a senior uh shares with the whole group kind of what the baseball per the uh union or the mule program has meant to them over these last four years and we we ask them to give advice to the younger players, to the underclassmen, and it's always it's always interesting to hear their advice and um it, you, like I said, you really learn a lot about these guys when you. Some of them will surprise you when you when you give them the opportunity to do things like that and share with the whole program.
1: Well, and the big takeaway for that is you're trying to invest in the young man rather than just in the baseball player.
0: You know that's what that's what we're trying to do. Kind of our goal has always been to even I remember this back from when I was when I was playing at Union. The, the number one main goal is to help them become better people. And we firmly believe that becoming a better person, learning things, learning life lessons are also going to help you become a better ball, baseball player. So that that's absolutely
1: our goal. Well, and I think the kids can see that as well. So let's go ahead and skip forward and move on to the spring. So take us through what a week looks like for the Union Redskins in the spring.
0: Well, we start uh right after christmas break so that uh i guess that first full week after christmas in january is when we start practicing and that's when we start getting them full time um no restrictions on time and um for me for for us uh that's when bullpens start they've been not to say that's the first time they've pit- they pitch off a mound but um that's when our actual bullpens start um, where we're trying to get them ready for the season and start ramping up their pitch count off of a mound. So uh, that that's my main concern during the spring. Uh, we start doing as much in, this year. We had a great, great winter. Uh, it was warm out. We had time to get outside on our field and uh, work defensive situations, stuff we don't always get to do in January. But weather permitting, that's where we go. We always go outside. We try to throw our bullpens outside when we can, but uh, I guess a typical week is depending on what pitching group you're in. You have, uh, I mean, if, let's say you're in the Monday group, you throw your bullpen on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You're doing strictly recovery work. Then on Thursday, you would throw uh, kind of a side side session where which, which would be kind of a flat ground at that point early on in the spring, getting ready for your next bullpen. We throw uh bullpens once a week for the first two weeks and then we try to start moving to about every every 4 4 days after that but we continue hitting quite a bit uh that time that point in the spring early on in the spring and trying to get as again as much as we can defensive work outside because if you uh we we have quite a few starters who are football guys and so Sometimes the first time we really start to get them is that uh, first few weeks after Christmas. And so trying to get them caught up on defensive situations, get them back into the swing of things is, uh, is very important.
1: Well, and for our listeners out there who may not know, uh, last year you got your football guys a little bit later because they were the 2016 uh, 6A1 state champions. And this year they're uh, number one as well. So I'm sure you guys have to adjust your plans uh, in a good way. Yes,
0: yes, absolutely. (laughs) We're definitely proud of our football guys. And we, you know, we love having football guys because I think they bring a kind of a level of intensity to the baseball program that may not otherwise be there. Um, But especially when they're coming off a state title, I think we have three starters in our starting lineup and including a couple and then a couple pitchers that were a part of that state championship team. And any time you have somebody who, uh, guys coming into, you, into your program and into your team that know how to win championships, I think that's definitely good for the culture of the program.
1: Absolutely. Now, you talked about getting all of this pitching work in. How many pitcher onlys do you have?
0: I have two this year. Um, that's the fewest I've ever had as a varsity coach.
1: And so you apparently have a lot of two-way guys. How do you get work in for them?
0: So that definitely causes some challenges at times because, uh, you know, one of, I would say our top reliever this year is also our three hole. And, uh, obviously his offense is a big part of our team. And so I try not to take away, take away from his, uh, offensive time, from his, from, him, from his hitting time. But also I, I, I'm very lucky to have a head coach who has told me, not only me, but our players that, If you are a pitcher who also plays a position and hits, if it's a day that or if it's a time of practice that you need to do something for pitching, then you are a strictly pitcher only for that 10 minutes or that 30 minutes if that's how long uh, I need them. So I'm very lucky to have a head coach who puts a big priority. Uh, Basically, it's understood that if something needs to be done pitching-wise, that takes precedence over anything else.
1: So it sounds like that you guys just plan everything around your pitching schedules. Yes. Yes, that's right. So let me ask you this question. How do you know whether the plan that you've put into place is working or not?
0: It's a good question because sometimes it's harder to tell than others. I guess the the first place I look is, uh, are they getting outs <laughs> uh, so this time of year? Are they getting outs or are they not getting outs? And earlier on in the year before you have things like that to measure measure it with i look at things like velocity are they at least equal to their peer group in average velocity for their age group uh, or are they behind or are they plus or you know you can you look at their command which we know from charting their bullpens or um you know sometimes the biggest thing is how do we get a guy healthy you know he's he's at a 3 to 4 on a scale from one to 10 to three to four arm pain, every time he takes the mound, you know, what's causing that? And so for some guys, we spend almost an entire fall trying to find out, how can we get you to throw a baseball without any pain? So, again, it just kind of depends on the guy. Sometimes it's the radar gun. Sometimes it's the uh, bullpen chart. Sometimes it's the ZRA. And uh, so it just kind of depends on what that guy's needs are. But we we also continue. uh, we video. Uh, several video analysis throughout the year to see if anything's changing so one of the first things i can do is if a guy's velo drops two miles an hour from december to february well we can look at his february video and say well has anything changed with his movement pattern that might cause that or if there's any kind of pain going on that might cause that so we continue monitoring things like that for sure
1: well, you've already given us a few things, but is there anything unique that the Union Redskins do that nobody else in the state or the country does?
0: You know, I, uh, I, I don't, I've, I've never been a part of any program other than this one, so it's kind of hard for me to answer that question. Um, so like I said, I haven't been a part of any other program. I like to think that we, that we do things the right way, or at least we try to or do things the best way we, we can. What everybody can do is start to look at their guys as individuals and not as a pitching staff as a whole and start trying to figure out what each guy needs personally to try to make him better. Because, uh, and again, I'm going to quote Ron Wolforth, one size, uh, one size doesn't fit all. And, um, one size doesn't even fit one guy for very long. And so I think just trying to constantly evaluate where you're at. And find out what each guy needs is something that uh, you can't you can't get it next week, but you can start doing it next week, <laughs> if that makes sense.
1: No, absolutely. And I love the ideas about you know competitive bullpens and competitive side work. And coaches all the time want to talk about you know how their kids aren't competitive. Well, you know what are you doing to make your kids competitive in practice? What are you doing to make everything a competition? Absolutely. Anything can be a competition. Well, let's get into the advice section a little bit. And this is something that I never realized I struggled with until it actually happened. And that's what to say on a mound visit. Because I got out there and I was like, oh, crap. What uh, What uh do I say whenever I get out there? So tell us, what does Brent say on a mound visit? <laughs> again, again, it depends on the guy.
0: But... Usually, uh, it has something to do with refocusing, getting them to refocus on the task at hand. Whether that's they've, you know, an error, a couple errors have been made behind them, or whether they've (laughs) they've walked a guy or walked two guys or something like that, trying to just refocus them. A lot of times, it's. uh, I'll be honest, I I don't even. uh, I just kind of try to fill some time to give them a breather. Sometimes, you know, you can tell they're just getting a little uh, flustered, and they're getting the pitches are starting to seem kind of high uh high intensity pitches high pressure pitches and you just want to go out there and kind of calm them down a little bit it's funny you ask that because i i always remember uh growing up my dad would come to watch a game and well what would coach so-and-so say to him when he came out to the mound and i usually my answer was you know i don't really remember so I, i don't know if it's so much what what you say to him on the mound as long as it's uh some guys it's trying to stay very positive. Other guys, some some guys need a little kick in the butt to get them going, but it, it just kind of depends on the guy.
1: So Brent, now you've been a coach for several years. If you could go back in time and tell your first year self something, what would that be?
0: <laughs> first of all, calm down and quit yelling so much. <laughs> I think just to relax and quit feeling like you've got to change or not change but get everything accomplished every single day it's kind of a I'm still trying to obviously learn things as I go there's a, a whole lot of stuff that I don't have figured out at all and I'm trying to figure out better for next year but I get. I guess if I had to tell myself one thing is try to be better next year than you were than you are this year that's kind of how I try to evaluate each year at the end of the season is what can I do better next year uh, than I did this year and so I guess I'd tell myself to pay attention to those things that I can do better the next year. Well,
1: that's some very sound advice as well. So talk to us about these resources that you use. Did they come just from self-discovery, or is it something that you started looking into whenever you started your coaching career? Or even going back to college, is it something that you started to try and do to improve your career?
0: So I I started paying attention to some of the, I guess, quote-unquote new age Pitching, thinking when I was still in college, and it, I tried to make some mechanical adjustments uh, myself before my lat and before my senior year, and some of them worked, some of them didn't. But um, but once I got into coaching uh, full time, I realized that there was a uh, there was a lot about pitching that I I guess I could say I, I was okay at doing some of them, but I had no idea how to teach them or what they all meant. And so that kind of made me just want to find out as much information I could as I could about as many different things as I could about pitching, whether or not I ended up agreeing with or using all the things that I would read or watch online or things like that. That that wasn't the point. It was just that I was trying to get as many different points of view as I could so I could kind of understand at least as as little as, uh, as much as I possibly could about uh, the guys I was trying to
1: teach. So what you said earlier about continually trying to improve and be better than you were the year before.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, exactly.
1: So if you're going to sum up how Brent brings out the best in his players and how he motivates his players, what would you say?
0: I think there's, uh, (laughs) there's plenty of guys that I don't think I've gotten the best out of yet. And I, I don't know that I got the best out of anybody. I definitely think we've had some pitchers that I hope that being a part of our program had at least a small part in them helping themselves figure it out, um, to get the most out of themselves. I think, uh, to get, to motivate somebody, I, I think that's hard to do to, to, for me personally to motivate a pitcher. I think finding ways to get them to buy into something that will Allow them to motivate themselves is more kind of my goal. I, I'm not really much of a cheerleader. I'd much rather have a guy who uh, can kind of motivate himself. But I think building a relationship with, uh, with my guys, you know, it starts in the fall. Um, some of the guys I was lucky last year, especially I had, uh, my two, my two best pitchers are, are our two district starting pitchers were guys that I'd worked with since they were in the sixth grade. And so for six years, I had them. And so the trust level that we had between each other was unbelievable. And that's something we kind of had to start over with this year with some guys. But uh, like I said, th- those relationships take time. It takes time for a kid to trust you when you're, when you're asking them to change something that they've been, you know, how they've been throwing a baseball since they were six. So I, I think that starts well before they get on a mound.
1: So, really, just trying to get to know the individual before anything else.
0: Absolutely, yeah. If I if I don't know much about their story or much about where they're coming from, it's going to be hard for. Them. I th- I think for me, anyways, it's going to be tough for them to for me to get them to listen to me when I give them suggestions on uh, things I'd like them to do or try.
1: So, in your opinion, what are some things that all good coaches and good players have in common?
0: I would say it kind of comes back from to what I just talked about being self motivators. I think if a if a player needs somebody to help them get going or to help them try to get better, uh, you know, that's it's at some point it's got to come from within. And I think the same goes for a coach. For me, I'm not nearly smart enough to just go off what I know right now. And so if there's something else out there that which there is always stuff out there that can I think that can help. And so I don't think I'm really doing my job if I don't try to find it.
1: So this is our last question before I let you go. And yourself being a union lifer, what is your favorite story to tell about your program?
0: <laughs> I'm sure I could sit here for another couple of hours and tell you stories. Um, but I would say one of my favorite stories is that, uh, uh, and I'm going back to – I'll give, try to give you one from coaching, one from playing. But uh, when, I, when I was still playing, my, my senior season, we uh, we decided as a team, for whatever reason – I don't really remember why – we decided that we, the players, did not really care to take in and out or take uh, pregame uh, before the game, pregame, in and out, infield and outfield. And I don't know – that our coaching staff loved the idea, um, but I, I've got to credit them for, I think, credit credit them for kind of letting us do our thing on that. And uh, we, would, we would roll into games about 30 minutes before game time. And, you know, I remember our starting pitchers would kind of have to rush off the bus, get their spikes on, and get to the bullpen, and next thing we knew the game was starting. That told you that to lead into. We showed up to the uh, 2005 state championship game re very late um we uh in fact the the team we were playing had already taken their pregame infield and outfield i I remember uh, uh just everything was rushed trying to get the game going but that that was kind of our thing and I, I don't know that our coaches loved that idea but i I got to credit them for kind of letting us do our thing and understanding that maybe that's what our team needed and you know that that may have played a small part in the success we were able to have and we were we were able to win the state title that year
1: so in the state championship game of your senior year you show up after the other team takes in and out now if i'm if i remember right you were the starting pitcher that day right (laughs) yes i I started that game so walk us through how that was being a senior and and starting the state championship game running so late (laughs)
0: <laughs> well I uh I guess you were used it, to it by we, then, we were, right? yeah I was definitely used to it by then but I remember sitting in the dugout and our our uh our pitching coach at the time coach Pearson was uh on my butt about he was trying to get me to get put my spikes on and get out to the outfield play catch and get to the bullpen because we had about 25 minutes before game time and apparently I was taking my time a little too much in the dugout getting ready to go down to the bullpen
1: wow that's hilarious now, you mentioned you had a uh, a favorite coaching story as well. Can you tell us about that? So
0: last year, we had a group of guys that uh, that I actually – so the first year I coached at Union, I started coaching – I started as coaching our eighth-grade team. So I coached the eighth-grade team, our junior high team, for two years. And the group we had as seniors last year was the first group that I was the uh, eighth-grade head coach for. And I ca- I kind of followed those guys up through – the, uh, through the program. So they, when they were eighth graders, I coached them. And then the year after that, I was a JV coach for a couple of years and I got to coach them all on JV. And then the year after that, about the time, uh, by the time they were all moving up on onto varsity, I became the varsity pitching coach. And so I really just got to follow them up through their career. And that, that has to be that season we had, and that would be last year. I would say that was so far in my coaching career. That's been the most um sad and the uh most rewarding year um that I've had so far just to kind of see where those kids had started and where they finished where we had a we had a kid who uh ended up being an all stater he was our number one uh kind of one a we had kind of a one a one b situation last year and he was one of our number one pitchers um he was also our starting starting uh right fielder and uh batted two hole for us so seeing kinda of where he came from, which was not that uh <laughs> to see him get to an all state situation where he was at, and then watch another one of our pitchers uh go to play Division I school at the University of Chicago, um, and then um going to uh see uh several other of our players go to play college baseball. It was just cool to kinda of watch them on their
1: journey. Well, wow, that's awesome and and I love that. I think that's that's why we all coach. But before you go, tell our listeners where they can find you online in case they want to get in touch with you.
0: So I'm on Twitter at, uh, it's uh, at B, as in Brent, Robo, R-O-B-O underscore two zero. I can be reached there. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, uh, Brent Robison.
1: You mind sharing your email? Yeah, it's B Robison, R-O-B-I-S-O-N
0: two zero at com.
1: All right, Brent, and I will add that in the show notes. So, again, thank you so much for being on. Now, is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners before you go?
0: No, I had a lot of fun. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you having me on.
1: Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. I would love to get in contact with you to hear your thoughts on the podcast. There are two easy ways to do that. You can email me at jgelner7 at gmail.com or find me on Twitter at AOTC underscore podcast. Also, do you like to share ideas and have conversations with other baseball coaches? Just go to facebook.com and search Ahead of the Curve Coaches to join our group. It's free. So what have you got to lose? If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider leaving a rating so others can find the show. Thanks for listening and have a great week.